0: It's December. Did you know that? Okay, okay. Just in case you weren't aware of that, Christmas is 22 days away. And even when I say that, your hearts just race. <laughs> Cappy's heart is racing because she's thinking, "I have so much to do. How can I possibly get it done?" You know, others of you are are a little more excited about the fact that it's only 22 days away. How about the gifts? Have you got the gifts ready? Got your list made? I can help you with that. I can help you. Once again, I have found an amazing website. You are going to love this. It's called Uncommon Goods. Could be that it's lacking in common sense, but these are great. These are great for the special people in your life. For the foodie in your life, you can buy avocado huggers. This is a little, you know, it's a little device, um, you know, based on the idea that a little avocado goes a long ways, and so there's usually the the one half that you don't use. It is a form-fitting silicone cup. Two sizes ensure that you're prepared to preserve a large and small variety, and the convenient pit pocket can be pushed in or out for the tightest possible seal. So, for the foodies in your life, avocado huggers, oh, you can buy two of those for $7.95, by the way. For the fitness nut in your life, you could get Yoga Joe's. Now, these are nine miniature plastic, fun-posing little servicemen, and they provide inspiration to the soldier in your life who is going through basic yoga training. Packaged in a mini yoga studio box with a bamboo floor, only $25. Now, everyone has a clothes horse in their life. You could buy this person a literary scarf, they can get all wrapped up in a classic story. These infinity scarves are the perfect way for you to show off some literary love in any weather. Each scarf is silk. you're laughing. Each scarf is silkscreened by hand with passages from some of the world's greatest books. Letting you cheer on Jane Eyre, go through the ups and downs of romance with sense and sensibility. Take a tumble down the rabbit hole with Alice in Wonderland. My wife thinks that is a good idea. And Sharon wants one. Okay. Can I share one more? For the dog lover in your life, dog breed socks. These cozy socks are a humble tribute to your favorite pedigree. Featuring detailed graphic and the name of the breed, you'll let it be known just how much you love your pooch. $12. bucks we will buy you a pair of those. Just a sampling of some of the amazing gifts available on Uncommon Goods. I know. Shut up. Give it up, right? Now, crazy as it might sound, (laughs) no. (laughs) I do want us to spend these Advent Sundays on the topic of gift giving. In this season of gift insanity, it drives me nuts that Christmas is in the stores, as Justin mentioned, before Halloween. What is wrong with us? But... It's insanity, and in the midst of that, I think there's some level-headedness for the people of God as we think about being followers of Jesus that desperately need to give gifts that God has given to us, to others. Gifts that I believe many people are looking for. And, and I promise there's, there's no shopping necessary it's followers of Jesus, the Savior of the world, the one whose birth we are celebrating in this season, oh yeah, that's why we do this. It's, it's Jesus' birthday. We've been given gifts as his people that he, I believe, wants us to share with others. And the cool thing about these gifts is that when, when you give them away, there's, there's no end. They are gifts that flow into our lives And they just continue to flow into our lives as we offer them and give them away and share them. And they're on the screen for you. And you're thinking to yourself, those look a whole lot like the traditional Advent themes. You know, can't pull anything over on you folks. (laughs) Church has been celebrating these for centuries. The Advent themes, as I was thinking about Advent this year, and uh, where we go, and the idea came to me that, that these themes that we celebrate really are gifts from God because we do not earn them in any way. That's what makes something a gift. We don't earn them. But when we enter into a relationship with God through faith in His Son Jesus, He gives them. And like everything that God gives to His people, I think His intent is not for us to cling tightly, but to give them away, to open up our hands, open up our lives, and, and share freely what he has given to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For many of us, John 3.16 is the first verse we ever memorized in Sunday school eons ago, if you've been in the church that long. The miracle of our God is that he is a giving God, even more he is a self-giving God. God blesses us with an abundance of things, everything that we have is from his hand, but even more importantly, he gives us himself, he gives us himself. Okay, just look a little bit in awe of that truth, okay? (laughs) He gives us himself. Read about any of the gods in any culture, in any time in the world, and try to find a God that gives himself for the sake of his or her people, for their satisfaction. The gifts that God gives to us. These Advent themes, I think, speak to to the very core of what it means to be human. And to to find these gifts given to us as we enter into relationship with God offers for us a sense of, of security and satisfaction that I think the human heart longs for. And yet, really can only be found at the deepest level in who God is. Peace, joy, hope, and love. Longed for by many and can be experienced to a lesser degree, but the deepest and the most satisfying experience of these themes is found in the one who defines them. God defines the meaning of these things for us and and gives them as gifts to be shared with others. So this morning we want to consider, as you already know, the gift of peace. And I'm just so blessed that, that we're talking about peace on a communion Sunday morning. Nothing represents biblical peace more clearly for us than this table. The sacrifice of Jesus is essential for us to clearly understand the nature of God's gift. If we really want to understand, and I think it's important for us to understand clearly in this Advent season, when there is much singing and talking about peace, what's the Bible say about it? So this morning we're going to have two short texts. Romans 5, a couple of verses from there. Colossians 1, a couple of verses from there. And I think these two texts are possibly the most clear in all of Scripture in helping us gain a, a real precise understanding of the nature of biblical peace, the peace that, that we are talking about in this season. So the first one is going to read from Romans and just to give you a quick context, you know Romans, you know that Paul spends the first four chapters, we divide them up into chapters, Paul wouldn't have thought in terms of chapters. Paul spent a long time writing a lot about the holiness of God and the sinfulness of humanity and that humanity, apart from the grace of God, stands deserving in a place of deserving God's Judgment, And Paul is making the case that, that Jews, even with the law, haven't measured up. Gentiles don't have the law. They don't measure up. Jews and Gentiles alike stand deserving judgment by God. And there is nothing that can rescue anyone except faith in Christ. Sinful people are justified by faith alone. In Jesus, That's the context. Let's stand and read these couple of verses from Romans 5. Here we go. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, don't go yet. Think about what you've just read there. Let those words just kind of soak in for a little bit. And then just a quick context for the Colossians verses. Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, and he is spending the first part of the letter talking about the unbelievable truth of what God has done for us rescuing us from the dominion of darkness and bringing us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves, Paul says, in whom there is forgiveness of sin. And so he is encouraging them to to live out their lives as people who have been the recipients of such amazing grace. Okay, Don, let's put up the next verses. Here from Colossians, let's read this together. God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. There's our word again. By making peace through His blood shed on the cross. God was pleased to have all of His fullness, God's fullness, the fullness of God, to dwell in Jesus through Him to reconcile everything, things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Okay, sisters and brothers, that is God's word for us this morning. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Okay. So, Don, can we put up the next screen? Okay, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the key sentence in the Roman text. Through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's our word. And then from Colossians, we heard Paul write this, through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So, turn to someone nearby and talk with them for just a minute. What does it mean, based on what we've read, what you you see here, what does it mean to have peace with God? What comes to mind? See what your neighbor thinks. Two minutes. Okay, we are ready? What brilliant truths has your neighbor come up with? What do you want to share? I well. No longer under the wrath of God. Okay enmity between God and humanity. Okay, good. What else? It was rumbling. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah, the, the writer of Hebrews, very Jewish, whoever that was, says, come before the throne of grace boldly with confidence. Yeah, good, good. Nice image, neighbor. <laughs> Sharon, I like that. Really good. Yeah. What else? Anyone? Mmm. mm, Mmm. Mm. Absolutely. That awareness of what God has done for us. I like that. Very good. Anyone else? Do you hear that? To have our transgressions, our sins, alleviated through the blood of Jesus. That's, that's what peace is is. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. You guys are are right on the mark. It was during World War II when C.S. Lewis wrote these words. Jesus did not come just to provide on occasion to sing carols, drink toasts, feast, and exchange gifts. But we are right to do these things even as Soldiers die and families are grieving because he came. And in his coming, he brought joy and peace. The joy that overcomes our sorrows and the only kind of peace that ultimately matters. It's the peace of which the end of all wars, terrible as they are, is merely one token. It's the peace that means the long war between the heart and its maker is over. And I love this line. It's a treaty offered in Bethlehem and signed in blood on Calvary. Isn't that marvelous? Now, I know that this probably seems a little bit like theology 101. You know, it's it's pretty basic stuff for for most of us in here It's like, well, yeah, we we know this. But but I think the implication of it, the implication for those of us who know that peace, who have entered into the peace of God, who have been granted that as a gift from God, the implication of that is just enormously important. Because as I mentioned earlier, throughout this season, we're going to hear the words of the angel choir often. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace. We need to carefully listen for the next words. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. What kind of peace are those angels giving glory to God for? It's the same peace that that Paul writes about to the Romans and the Colossians. It is, it is shalom. These are Jews. It is shalom, the Hebrew concept of peace. And shalom is always grounded in the presence and the character of God. Love what Sharon alluded to here. Whatever else is going around, non-peace everywhere we look, Those who have been granted shalom have peace in their lives regardless of the circumstances because they have the promise of God's presence and His character is what makes His promises true. No matter the circumstances going on in the life of a child of God, shalom does not change. And so we have to read the announcement of peace to those on whom God's favor rests through the theology of the Hebrew writers of sickness, of Scripture, excuse me. That's, that's another line that's coming here. Through the writers of Scripture, Jesus didn't come to save us from sickness, though he often chooses to heal us. He didn't come to save humanity from war. He didn't come to save humanity from conflict, from famine, from, from economic collapse, from Terrorism? And anything else that causes pain and and suffering in this broken world? That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to offer broken people living in a broken world the opportunity to have a broken relationship with God restored. And that results... In shalom. Peace with God means peaceful, confident living in a broken world because God has become our friend and our father. Make sense? And so, if I can say it this way, without I hope sounding like I'm assuming something. I don't read the scriptures and the plan of salvation and God's redemption through Jesus as ever being his intent to save the the, the world from these hardships that are part of the brokenness. God stepped into the brokenness to bring redemption to the broken people so that they might become instruments of redemption themselves if there is going to be peace in terms of cessation of conflict and wars and those kinds of things, it's going to happen, if it ever happens, it's going to happen when the people of God who live in shalom take the gift of shalom seriously and begin to live it out in the world that is so broken. Does that ring true with you? I I just... I think that's the only way to to understand it because if if we say that Jesus came to to fix all those other things, well, then he failed because here we are 2,000-some years later and, and it's a mess. But he didn't fail. The redemption plan is a fabulous success and it's still happening. And God is still redeeming and claiming hearts for himself. How are we responding to that redemption? And that's the point of this sermon this morning. We who are the recipients of of so great a gift of peace. Cappy's sense of our sins have been forgiven. Now that's peace. We who are recipients of that. And enter into the shalom of God. We need to be people who are living in relationship with others in such a way that they experience shalom through us. Let me say that one more time. We who are the recipients of so great a peace, shalom, need to live in relationship with others, those in our lives long-term, short-term, casual relationships. We need to live with them in such a way that they experience shalom through us. This is what it means to, to give to others the gift that God has given to us. Now, we don't actually get to give them shalom. That's God's prerogative. But but you know what I mean. We are living in such a way that, that the shalom of God becomes evident in our lives to those who who rub up against us and they experience shalom through us, they're they're touched by it. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now he wasn't talking reward language there. You can become a child of God if you're a peacemaker. That's not the sense of the language. It's, It's language of identification. Jesus is saying blessed or satisfied or or filled with joy. Some translators even give it a a rendering of, of happy. Blessed, blessed are those who are peacemakers for they will be called, they will be recognized as, they will be identified. Whoa, that must be a child of God. She must be a child of God. He must be a child of God. It's a recognition based upon what is coming out of our lives. Those who make for peace will demonstrate that they are children of God. Okay, this is where it gets a little challenging. Don, can we put that last text up? Paul wrote this to the Philippians He said, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Or so he thought in terms of his return. The Lord is certainly near in our presence every moment of every day. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, every situation, regardless of what it is, By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, I think that's the part of redemptive work in our lives, the part of living out shalom before others. We we get challenged in our hearts and our minds. We 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 come to a place where in that place of emotions our our hearts we fear well gosh what 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 if i reach out and and do this and it's it's not accepted what if it's what if it's rejected you know we we begin to 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 think about the what ifs those scenarios that well gosh i'd like to do this but I, I'm, not, I'm not guaranteed of the results. This, this could be dangerous. This, this could be hard. This could be embarrassing. Paul is saying, Shalom guards your hearts and your minds when you encounter those situations that are, that are causing you to, to wrestle with, okay, how do I speak into this situation as a person who lives in shalom, how do I live into this situation as, as someone who, who lives in the shalom of God? As I begin to, to pray about that and, and, and seek God's presence in his wisdom, he's saying to us that the shalom of God in which we live will guard our hearts and our minds, those things where, where doubts and second-guessing live. That makes sense, and the word that he uses there for gentleness, it, it refers to a gentle spirit. It also carries the sense of, of patient, mild, a person who is, who is equitable in the way that they, they treat others. This is a promise of God in this text, Philippians four. I think it's a promise of God that every child of God needs to stand upon as they live out shalom toward others. Because here's the truth. Seeking to be a peacemaker with those who are nice and non-threatening, there's no prize there. Anybody can do that. That's easy. But living out shalom toward those who are nasty toward those who we consider vile, those who are so different from us that we're sure they're from a different planet, living out shalom toward those whose, whose lifestyle choices make us uncomfortable, whose language offends us, whose opinions make us want to throw up. Those are the people that were called to live out the gift of shalom. It is towards those people, whoever those people are in your life, in my life. And that takes prayer. That takes courage that God gives as a result of our coming to Him in prayer, trusting Him and being confident that if they reject me, if they walk all over me and take advantage of me, if they laugh at me, if they think I'm an idiot, if they spit on me, if they swear on me, so be it. Welcome to the company of Jesus' followers. That's what it means to live out shalom in the world. We got choices. You know, We can, we can be recipients of that amazing presence of God and keep it to ourselves which isn't doing our world a hoot of good or anybody in our lives or we can be intentional about living it out. Remembering the words of Paul to the Romans. You've read this in Romans chapter 4 where He's quoting from several different Old Testament texts and and you'd you'd like to think that he's just kind of talking really big here to, to make a point about the importance of faith. Paul says there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Very encouraging text, don't you think? (laughs) My friends the table that is set before us today is a reminder that Jesus did not come and live his life among nice people. When the standard is the holiness of God, no one is nice. That's Paul's point with those words. Everyone is disgusting in light of the holiness of God. But Jesus came. Jesus came into this world. He came because the heart of God, Father, Son, and Spirit together longed to see the disgusting made beautiful again. Great sacrifice brought about the possibility of great peace for those who did not have it. So let's understand the cost of shalom. We're going to live this gift toward others, and I think that's what God wants of us because we have been given it freely so that we can give it away freely. The cost is great. The cost to our reputation, the cost to our comfort, et cetera, et cetera. It's great. But there is no shalom without sacrifice. The people of God have no shalom without the sacrifice of Jesus. Others in our lives cannot experience or be touched by the shalom of God through us if we're not willing to. To sacrifice for their sakes. Brothers and sisters, what we celebrate in this season is a far greater peace. As Lewis wrote, it's the only peace that ultimately matters. It is the undeserved gift, and that is a redundancy, but it's an important redundancy. Undeserved gift of peace with God. As we come to the table this morning of the one who secured our peace, our shalom, I want to invite you to just take a couple of minutes to be quiet, to listen for the voice of the Spirit speaking into your heart about what it means for for you to be a peacemaker in this season and in every season. Toward all those who are in your life, all those who who are part of my life, especially those whom we wish were not a part of our lives. I'm pretty sure that that's where we'll hear his voice clearly. How would God have us who live with the truth that it is well with our souls? How would he have us live toward those who need to experience his shalom through us? Take a few quiet moments and listen.